All right, we're going to start a new series. It's going to be a really long one. I hope you guys are going to stick around here for a long time because we're going to go into Philemon. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Philemon, it's one chapter and 25 verses. Okay, so 300 some odd actual original Greek words. Sorry, I didn't count it. And wanted to go through this before we go into an Advent series because this story is about reconciliation, forgiveness, restoration, which I know none of you have a problem with at all. It's for your friends, okay? It's for your friends, it's for your family. And so just thought it'd be very timely before we enter into Thanksgiving and before we enter into Christmas to look at what the Apostle Paul wrote so that hopefully this is not going to be another one of those years that we just kind of let pass by where our selfishness, where our unforgiveness remains, and to encourage reconciliation, forgiveness, restoration with those whom we may have issues with. So first, a little bit of background about this letter. Paul wrote this personal letter to some people, right? He wrote two of them to Timothy. He wrote one to Titus. Here we see that he writes this to Philemon. But in verse 3, we notice that it's not just Philemon. He also addresses Apphia. He addresses Archippus. And he also addresses the church in Philemon's house. Now, what happened between this bondservant Onesimus and the person he ran away from, Philemon? a wealthy person who had a home large enough for a decent-sized church that met there and who had servants. And we also all are familiar with Paul's background. He was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians until he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so here we have these three people who were brought together by Jesus, brought together by the love in the church as we are to have in our church. Now, some of us have heard that famous quote by Martin Luther King Jr. about Sunday mornings, that it is the most segregated hour in this nation. I believe that there's a lot of truth to that. But on the other side is something of real beauty, where we see the gospel brings together very different people, really extreme people, from extreme poverty to the extremely wealthy brought together by the gospel where the hardly educated and the very educated are brought together, where there are a plethora of races and ethnicities brought together. All these differences brought together in Jesus. There is no other ideology or politic that can do that. Now back to what happened between Philemon and Onesimus. Onesimus ran away and it's possible that he took some things that didn't belong to him in order to make it while he was on the run. Conjecture, not saying that he did it. We know that Onesimus ran away to Rome because where else would you go to get lost in the crowd? It's a very large population, a very diverse population, so a very good place to run away to and just to kind of blend in. But while in Rome, he bumps into this guy named Paul, and Paul shares with him Onesimus the gospel. It changes his life. He is transformed by Jesus, and while Paul blessed Onesimus spiritually. Onesimus was also a blessing to Paul. And while Paul was in jail, Onesimus proved to be very useful to Paul. And we'll go over more of those verses next week. But I'm just going to read verses 10 through 14 for us. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. 
Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, we find Onesimus join Tychicus to Colossae on his way back to the house of Philemon. Picking up in verse 7, Colossians chapter 4, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you? They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. The reconciliation between Onesimus and Philemon was possible through Jesus. And although this letter is only 25 verses long, it's packed with these spiritual nutrients. And if you study this carefully, every time you read this, you're going to gain something from it. One of the things that pops out of this letter is just the richness each of the main characters have in this book. You can really sense the depth of their relationship with one another and this powerful bond that they have in common with Jesus. Where once there was a relationship that was broken, it cannot be left that way. Not when we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't leave it that way. That through Jesus, people were reconciled to one another and this community restored. That through Jesus, people who would probably never cross paths live under the same banner of love of Jesus. Paul was a jailed Pharisee. He was a brother in Christ with a wealthy man in Philemon, and the two of them were brought closer by a newer brother in Christ, Onesimus, who was a bondservant. And so we see here how Jesus broke down the barriers that used to segregate people. And you look at what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. In Christ... We are part of his family. It does not favor any race, any nationality, class, culture, or ethnicity over any other. Our relationship with Jesus is what unites us. And you'll see this in Paul's opening remark in Philemon. Verse 1, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. By this time, Paul has done a lot for the church, and he could have pulled the, you know what, I'm the leader of the church, do as I say. But he doesn't do this. He doesn't list a bunch of his credentials or his experience. He doesn't do a power play. He's in a Roman jail. And he tells Philemon and the church that he's a prisoner for Christ Jesus. What he had to show for serving Jesus was he's locked up in a jail cell. But he didn't have the attitude that he was locked up by the Romans, but that he was a prisoner for Jesus. Not imprisoned by Christ, but imprisoned for him. He was imprisoned for God's purposes. We see the power of humility at work here, don't we? Because doesn't this break down any pride? When someone comes across prideful and asks you to do something, a lot of the time, most of the time, if not all of the time, it is really off-putting, isn't it? If your boss comes up to you and says, 
I'm your boss, do as I say. How would you guys receive that? Probably not too well, as opposed to if your boss came to you and said, you know what, we're really in a bind and we need your help. We can't serve our clients without you. And that's a lot easier to receive, that posture of humility, that if it's from someone who has a prideful attitude, then that's not something we want to receive. And quite frankly, that's just not a wise approach to how we should treat people. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. It's the same approach with God. God gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, we see the humility Paul has in addressing Philemon. I can imagine the humility he had in even approaching Onesimus when he said, hey, go home. And Onesimus must have been thinking, you're nuts. I'm free out here. I'm good out here. I don't want to go back to that. And so for Paul to broker this peace treaty, he needed some skill. And if Paul was not humble as a prisoner for Jesus, I don't think Onesimus would be able to hear him out when Paul encouraged him to go back to Philemon and make things right. Neither Philemon or Onesimus could object to what Paul was asking them to do in reconciling with one another because you look at Paul's life, you look at his time as he wrote this in a jail. He's imprisoned. A guy who once had everything that the world could want has this to show for his success. Now how would the world judge that? He was a prisoner for Jesus. Paul wasn't asking them to do something that he wouldn't do himself. And they knew that. They knew that Paul would do exactly what he was telling them to do. And so continuing on with Paul's greeting, he lets the readers know who is with him. It's Timothy. And Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. What Paul is getting across to Philemon and to the readers of this letter are that as followers of Jesus, we are family. We're we're brothers and sisters. We are beloved fellow workers. No one is above or below. We are loved. We are equal. And as far as salvation is concerned, we're all saved by grace. We're all given the opportunities to extend grace. At one point, Paul did this for Philemon. You look at verse 19. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. At one point, grace was extended to Philemon from God and from Paul. Now, we don't know exactly what Paul was referring to there, but we do know that whatever it was, it was something that benefited Philemon, his family, and the church that met in his house. Paul did something for Philemon that by writing this, he knew what Paul was referring to, and I think it was leading Philemon and his entire family to a relationship with Jesus. Look at verse 2. And Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. It is believed that Apphia was Philemon's wife and that Archippus was his son. And because of Paul, Philemon's family and this church that met in Philemon's house was due in part to what God did through Paul while ministering in Colossae. Not sure how Philemon became a Christian, but we can be sure Paul had a part in Philemon's coming to Jesus and or growth in his relationship to Jesus. We know of Philemon to be a person of means, and perhaps the way he met Paul was he was on a business trip. He was on business 
Because Luke records for us in Acts chapter 19 that while Paul was in Ephesus, he ministered there for over two years. So maybe in this time gap, something happened. In Acts chapter 19, it's verses 8 through 11. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Maybe it was during this time that Philemon heard Paul in the hall of Tyrannus, says all the residents of Asia. And from there, he shared what he had learned with his wife, Apphia, and their son, Archippus. Their faith continued to grow, and a church met out of their home where the hearts of the saints had been refreshed through Philemon, according to verse 7. And for any of us fathers, what better gift to a father than blessing his family? What better blessing is there than when someone blesses our spouse, when someone blesses our children, let alone with everlasting life, with our loving God. There's nothing that would bless me more as a father than having my most cherished loved ones in the fellowship of faith. There's nothing. And so the story of Philemon that I just laid out, I just made up, okay? That's not what the Bible says. It's just something I'm playing in my head. Thank you for letting me share a story with you. But what we do know is that Paul had some credit, however it came about. Maybe it was the story I shared, maybe not. But whatever it was, Paul has some credit bringing Philemon along in the faith and in receiving forgiveness of his sins from God. There's some part in there. So how can any of us not forgive because we have been forgiven by God when we receive Jesus by faith to forgive us of our sins? And there was someone who God used who was gracious enough to share with us the gospel. And when our opportunities to extend grace to others appears before us, how are we going to respond when we've received such a wonderful gifts, will we receive grace, peace, and forgiveness and not give it when we've been given it already? So Paul continues his greeting in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, and within this really common greeting, a very common greeting at the time, is a reminder of where that grace and peace comes from. God our Father and the Lord Jesus. After Paul's words of greeting, Paul then moves to his thankfulness, prayer, and joy for Philemon and those with him in, from verses 4 through 7. Now you notice that you don't sense bitterness or discontent from Paul, even though he's in prison. Now verses 4 through 7. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul practiced what he preached. Remember when we talked about how 
Onesimus and Philemon were able to hear out Paul's request because they knew that Paul was going to do it. You look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Paul wrote this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And this is what Paul did while he was in prison, writing this letter to Philemon. This is so important for us to remember living a life following Jesus. To be thankful, to be prayerful, to be joyful. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And lastly, Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do or in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. It just so happened that all this thanks stuff comes up. And it's so great that we have this holiday with the intent to be thankful, to look at being thankful. And unfortunately, it has become more about turkey than it has been about thankfulness. Hopefully, we can celebrate it as it was intended to be celebrated, thankfulness. And so here we have thankfulness, prayerfulness, and joyfulness. And may we be like Paul in that we practice what we preach. Let's look at verses 4 through 7 a little more closely. Back to verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. What a wonderful way to think and to be thought of. Do we have people like this in our lives? Are we thought of like this in others' lives. And why is Paul thankful for Philemon? Verse 5, Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Saints are those who believe in Jesus in whom Onesimus is now one of them. And John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Paul recognizes Philemon's love for God and for the followers of God. And this is what Paul thanked God for in Philemon. This is what we're thankful for in those whom we pray for and who pray for us. And one of the specific prayers Paul prays for Philemon is in verse 6. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Now at first glance, one may think that this is about evangelism. And this is a verse that is misinterpreted really often. And I can see how many interpret verse 6 in this way. But when studying the Bible, we have to look at the scriptures in context to one another. So how does verse 6 fit into Paul's letter to Philemon as a whole? And in looking at it in context, 
it seems not to fit if we interpret verse 6 as a verse about evangelism, right? Like all of a sudden you're going to stick this evangelism verse in here out of all this stuff? And so it seems out of place. And of course evangelism is important, but that's not what Paul addressed in this letter to Philemon. Also when studying the Bible, along with context, we also have to look at the original language in which the letter was written. In this case, this letter was originally written in Chinese. No, I'm kidding. It was, it was, it was Greek. Greek. The Chinese created a lot of other awesome things, but not this letter. Okay, so there are words translated from the Greek that don't give the most accurate meaning. And so when we translate it from Greek to English, we need to keep in mind that not always is it the most accurate translation. So what we need to actually do is we need to mine for those valuable gems God has for us in his word and look at context, to look at original languages. And so we take verse 6 as an example of doing this exercise. In our version of the Bible that we use in the ESV, verse 6 is translated to this. And I pray that the sharing of your faith. They use the word sharing. And to those reading that verse without thinking deeper about context or original language, you can easily misinterpret this about evangelism, thinking that this is evangelism. He's talking about sharing our faith. This is evangelism, and it's a simple mistake to make. So let's get our mining hats on. We'll do a little bit of mining, and we're going to look for the gem that God has for us here. And we We'll look at context, we'll look a little bit at original language, and when we look at the Greek, the word translated to sharing is not there. It's not sharing. The Greek word there is a word that many of you are familiar with, koinonia, right? Especially if you're a mega church, there's some fellowship group out there called koinonia, right? Because that's what it means. It means fellowship. You can go to a church that's larger than 800, usually has a group called koinonia. Anyway... <laughs> So it means fellowship or communion. Not the sacrament, but communion in terms of like community, getting together, participating. So yes, sharing is about that. But it's more about this. It's more about sharing in than sharing of. So sharing in fellowship, sharing in communion. But the way the verse sounds when it uses sharing, it can be misinterpreted to mean evangelism. And that is a biblical thing. I'm not saying that it's not. It's just that this is not what verse 6 means. It's not what verse 6 is saying. Now, if you look at the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, verse 6 reads this. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Better. It's more accurate. And what Paul is doing here in verse 6 is he's making an appeal to Philemon to do something unbelievable in that day to do something extraordinary something that is very unusual in that culture and in that time it's an exercise of forgiveness an exercise of reconciliation that was unheard of back in Philemon's day unheard of and that you know what this can only be a God thing a similar God thing that Philemon had experienced himself in the forgiveness of his sins when he received from his faith in Jesus to forgive those sins. To examine the communion, the fellowship that he received in Jesus, and from that to extend that fellowship and that communion to now a fellow brother in Christ, once a bondservant, Onesimus. 
That same fellowship of faith where he received forgiveness from God, from that same vast ocean of love and grace, if that fellowship of Philemon's faith is truly lived out by Philemon, and here's this great opportunity to live out this faith, of live out what he received, then his fellowship with Jesus proves to be the real thing. It's not just something that you're just saying, like, oh yes, I'm a Christian, but you don't act like one. And here he's given the opportunity to make his faith real. You came in the fellowship of faith. Can you extend the same thing? You've been forgiven of your sins. Can you extend that same grace? And at those points, at those times, that's when it becomes more than just what you know in your head. That's when it becomes more than just knowledge in your head, where it becomes experiential knowledge, personal, relational knowledge of all that is good in us because of how Jesus has indeed transformed our lives. So, Paul points out Philemon's opportunity to gain this full knowledge, the comprehensive knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Jesus by forgiving Onesimus, by reconciling Onesimus, by asking him to do probably the hardest thing he has to do. Those people that have wronged you, isn't it so hard to forgive? That by the fellowship of their faith in Jesus and communion with each other in Jesus' name, it may bring about reconciliation that was unheard of back then. To forgive a bondservant? I mean, they're below me. Just throw them in jail. Kill them. I don't care what you do with them. Get rid of them. No, not anymore. He's your brother. You're equal in Christ. You're going to lift him up. You're going to forgive him. You're going to restore him into the community. How many of us have been given an opportunity to live out our faith? I would think that everyone. This is everyone. So all of us have been given this opportunity to allow Jesus to truly transform us and have fellowship of our faith become real. Not just confess with our mouth, but that what we do is actually real in terms of how it lines up with our faith. And we've all been given these opportunities, opportunities to be more than what we know information-wise in our heads, but to have a real-life knowledge of the wonder of God's grace and his experience and to be participants in extending the same thing that he's already given us. Experiencing living in his goodness and often the opportunities he gives us to live out this fellowship of our faith is unusual. It's unbelievable. It's extraordinary in our times and in our culture to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable. It is crazy. And people wonder how we do it. Remember that church shooting that killed dozens of people and right away that church came out and says we forgive them. And people were like, what in the how? Verse 6 is a key verse in this letter. In it, we are exhorted to be in fellowship with one another, communion with one another, as we are in Jesus, and as Jesus as our bond, how can we not forgive 
one another? How can we not be reconciled to one another? That's not to say that we won't wrong one another. We will. We have. But it's in those opportunities of forgiveness and reconciliation where our faith comes alive. Where our faith becomes real. Verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. What great gifts Paul received from Philemon. Joy and comfort. And why did Paul experience joy and comfort from Philemon? Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through him. Refreshed. It's a great word. It's a great gift. Paul recognized the great gift of refreshment Philemon provided the heart of the saints. Philemon made it possible for the saints to cease from their labor in order to recover and to collect their strength, to give them rest, to give them refreshment. God does this for us too, providing us the Sabbath. Right? I'm going to give you this day and you be refreshed. Stop. And what a great gift Philemon had. When people were around him, God used him to refresh people. What a great service he provided people. You folks have all experienced people who are refreshing to you. And we have all experienced people who are draining to us. Amen, right? <laughs> That's life. You have people who refresh you. You have people who drain you. That's just how things are. And some people refresh and some people drain. Hopefully you have a good balance of the two where you're not always draining and you're not always refreshing because then you probably have this facade that you know, you're always like, eh, you know. <laughs> Philemon was a refreshment. And what a blessing that was to Paul who was in prison. What an encouragement to Paul and the saints. Philemon was a blessing. Thank you, Prayer Needs Group, and thank you, Haven Group, for providing the refreshing during that halftime. Thank you. May we be a refreshment to each other. It's not to say, like, if you need to drain because you're in a certain situation in life, drain away. Do it. We want to be here to help you and to serve you. And we also want to refresh each other, refreshing each other's hearts, refreshing each other in our faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this power-packed letter. A really short letter, but so much in it. As we look at it in the next few weeks, Lord, may you just help us get those nuggets, those gems out of this letter that you want us to hear, to study. I pray, God, for your blessing upon this church. That, Lord, may you already be working in church's hearts, in those individuals within our church who are harboring unforgiveness, who are harboring that extension of reconciliation. God, may you start working in their hearts to break down those walls, to have them receive from you, that they may be a refreshment to someone. In Jesus' name, amen.